All right. Favorite drink? Favorite drink in the summer was what? Limeade. Limeade. Iced tea. Oh. Someone said uh, tiki punch. And I just want to give that person mad props for the tiki punch because I'm all about that tiki punch. No trouble. All right. My name, I know, I get it. Uh, let's just slip that one in there. Um, what is up? Soma, I can't believe it. This is my first time preaching to you guys. Um, thank you. If this is your first time here, uh, we're in good company because it's mine too. So I uh, hope you got a chance to meet some really cool people because the people here are the, the best people that I have ever met in my life. And you know what? Your future best friend is probably sitting right next to you. All right? So, or if they're not your best friend right now, so they will be later. And if you're not sitting next to anybody, just scoot over. It's all good. Oh, man. It's all good. Uh, I met a girl today who goes to Biola. Um, so we have a lot in common. I got you, Kimberly. Um, I remember uh, I was invited to a party and, uh, it was by one of my classmates uh, at Talbot. And her name was Misty, my, my, my classmate. And she was awesome. Her, her brother was planning a church in Long Beach. And she thought, man, Kelly, you would be great to join our church plant in Long Beach. You know, you should come over to our house. We're going to have a bunch of leaders over. And it's just going to be a good get-together. And so I go over to the house uh, or apartment. It's actually a high-rise in uh, Long Beach. And everyone's hanging out. There's music playing. And I see this really cute girl off into the corner. And she's like dancing and smiling with her friends. And nobody else is dancing, really. It's just her. Uh, and so I'm like, and I'm like, dude, I like that girl's energy. She's got so much potential uh, in my life. Uh, so so, um, so I, uh, I turn to my friend Misty. And I'm like, Misty, who that girl? Um, <laughs> And she's like, she's like, don't even think about it. She's taken. She's taken. Uh, her name is Michelle. She's taken. She's taken. And, and I'm, like, I'm like, here, here's my phone number. Give it to her and tell her whenever she's ready for an upgrade, it's here. Uh, so, so lo and behold... <laughs> Lo and behold, like, months go by. She ends up, you know, her and that dude break up, you know, whatever. And, um, and, we, and you know, Michelle and I, we end up going on non-dates, you know, like just hanging out after church, you know, getting coffees, but we didn't call it anything. You know who you are, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so we were going on non-dates, and um, after a while, you know, we end up dating, and then we end up uh, getting married. And the best part about that was... You know the best part about that was? I ended up getting the upgrade. So, thank you. So, yeah, so. Awesome. That's my bae. Um, and the funny thing is, if you guys are dating someone or thinking about dating someone, make sure that they are an upgrade from the last relationship, okay? Uh, just take it from me. I, I won here. Check. And so we're in a series. We're in a series called brand new. I love brand new things, except if I already own it. Uh, So every year during Christmas time, like I get Christmas gifts and it's so annoying when they give me Christmas gifts that are not as good as the stuff I already own. Like the t-shirts, because I shop at like, you know, Uniqlo. I shop at like 
That's right. I shop at Super Dry. So when my birthday comes around, you guys all know what to get me. And, and, um, but my, my mom, she always gets me stuff from like Sears and they're like oversized. And I'm like, please give me a receipt, you know, like, but that doesn't happen because brand new is only awesome if it's an upgrade or if it's better than what I have. And some of you guys have been Christians or followers of Jesus for a long time. Some of you have been following Jesus for a short time. And maybe some of you guys don't even know who Jesus is. You're in, you're in the right place. Um, because Jesus gave you some brand new things. He gave you a brand new heart. He gave you brand new eyes. He gave you brand new life. But some of us don't even know what we have because we don't think it's better than what we had before. And we definitely sometimes don't even think it's an upgrade. So today we're going to be looking in 2 Corinthians 5. And we're going to find out exactly what God has in store for us today and for the rest of our lives. So as you guys pull out your Bible apps or your Bibles, I just want to pray as we jump into God's word together. So good. God's word is so good. Thank you, Jesus, so much for your word. Thank you for um, allowing us to have access to it so freely that we can gather together and invite you into this place and hear from you. We ask you that you open our ears so that we can hear your words. Open our eyes so that we can see the potential. And open our hearts to receive whatever it is you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, we all said loudly, amen, amen. amen. Mm. Hojin, you killed it with this mint tea. Man, thank you so much. This mil- That's Hojin, by the way. If you haven't, like he's been, he's been um, serving here for the last two weeks uh, and creating that amazing cafe experience. Uh, so that you guys can save five bucks at Starbucks. And uh, so thank you for that. I really appreciate it. We are going to Starbucks afterwards. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Whatever, dude. We're going to read the Bible now. All right. First, first Corinthians 5, 12. Second Corinthians 5, 12 through 17. It's up on the screen for you if you didn't bring your Bibles. It says, we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some would say, it's for God. If we are in our right mind, well, it's for you. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from this worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. So good, Paul. Way to do it. Way to preach. Anyways, literally, God's word never returns void. I can leave here and you guys' lives can literally be changed just from reading that. And that's how amazing God's word is. But we're talking about a brand new life and brand new heart and a brand new vision that God has given us. So the first point and the first thing that we need to understand that God has given us that is better than our old life is brand new eyes, brand new vision. Brand new vision. And that's the first point up there. Um, It says here, 
we're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. See, Paul is talking to the Corinthian people, right? The Corinthians are like, you know, next to Rome and, you know, they... They have all these Greek gods. Like if you were to go there, you would see these amazing statues with guys with abs and on top of their abs and they're like ripped. And they, you know, they're the guys who came up with the Colosseum. So they're all about athleticism. So, you know, the running, the jumping, the swimming, the whatever. Um, But these guys are all about what is seen. Image. They're so image conscious, right? Their, Their idea of success is physical. Physical attainment, you know, um, money, pretty much everything you see in Newport and, you know, in, you know, here, Simi Valley, um, <laughs> right? It's all, it's, I mean, the idea of success is what is seen, not what is unseen, according to the Corinthian people, right? Not you guys, of course, but the Corinthians, right? And Paul is saying, hey, I'm writing this to you so that you can give an answer for those who take pride in what is seen, rather than what is unseen, right? See, Paul didn't like, like, the funny thing about Paul is that he had not, he didn't have a whole much going on, right? He's like, he's not the guy with the ripped abs, you know, he didn't have a good look. And the Bible says he trembled when he speaks, so he didn't really speak really well, right? He didn't have a whole lot going on. And so when people saw him, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can really consider you a success, being that you've been in jail a few times, being that like you're not like you know you're not the most popular guy in the world but paul is saying hey no no i'm successful no trust me right i found out what it's what it's like to to be content no matter what the circumstances is and so paul is writing to these corinthian people and he's and he's trying to let them know like it's important that you know that you have new eyes that you don't have to make judgments about people based on the way they look or the jobs they have or the cars they drive or the physical, you know, you know, I don't know, physical like disabilities they have. Because we do that to people. We make judgments about them and we give them higher ranking in our hearts or how many followers they have on Instagram. <sighs> and so the vision that God has given you, it's kind of like he's given you the ability to see life the way he does. So before you started following Jesus, you had blurry vision, right? And you did whatever you could to try to make it right. And when you found Jesus, it's kind of like getting LASIK eye surgery. I talked to someone who got LASIK eye surgery and they were like out in three days. Um, But once you get LASIK eye surgery, what happens if you try to put your old glasses on? They get blurry. It gets distorted, right? Your vision gets distorted if you start looking at people the way you used to rather than the way God sees them now. So when you see with the flesh, you only see people as limited, unintelligent, misguided, and helpless. But when you see people the way God does, you see them as well-intended, loved, and capable. Well-intended, loved, and capable. Man, how awesome would this place be if people walked out here feeling loved well-intended and capable. Like that would be amazing that when they walk away from a conversation with you, they just, 
man, I don't know, but I just feel love. This is awesome, right? Just no matter what, like you could be having like pizza. Like, <laughs> I don't know, pizza. I don't know. I've been in ministry too long. All we eat is pizza. Um, but that's exactly what God wants to do today. That's what God wants to do to you. He wants to remind you of the vision that you have so that people just leave feeling loved and capable because of something that you said by the way that you look at them, by the way that you treat them. That's the first thing, first brand new upgrade that you have in your life. The next brand new upgrade is you get new motivations, new motivations, a new heart. First Corinthians, or second Corinthians 5, 13, moving on. It says, Paul is saying, if we are out of our mind, which definitely they thought that Paul was outside of his mind, as in crazy, as some would say, Paul's saying, oh, some would say, he knows who's saying it. <laughs> it. If we're crazy, we're doing it for God. I don't need you to, he's saying, I don't need you to affirm me. I, if I seem crazy, that's what, that's, guess what? I'm doing it for Jesus, all right? If, if I'm out of my, but if I'm in my right mind, if you can understand what I'm saying, and if I don't seem crazy, guess what? I'm doing that for you. That's what he says. For Christ's love, what? Compels. Somebody say compels. Compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Motivations, motivations. Man, people thought Paul was crazy. Like I said, no ripped ads. He's got a jail record, you know. He's got a bad rap sheet. He's not doing so well. But he is, actually. (laughs) That's the point of the sermon, right? Um, Compels. Compels. What motivates you? What pushes you? See, see, Paul's saying, Christ's love compels me. People think I'm crazy. You don't think I'm crazy so much. That's cool. Um, but either way, Christ's love compels me. And if I were to ask Paul, like, what, what is it about this love that compels you? Is it your love for Christ or is it Christ's love for you? And I think based in this context, he's definitely referring to the overwhelming love that he's receiving from Christ's love. It's to the point where like he can't help but tell people about this love to see people the way he he does. Like Paul cannot help. Christ's love is compelling him. Christ's love is motivating him. Christ's love is literally pushing him forward to do this. It's almost as if he said, I just can't stop. It's so good. This is amazing. It's kind of like, you know, well, it's not, I can't really compare it to anything because if I were to compare it to food, like it's just, ah, so good. But for Paul, he's saying, man, it's so good. It's this Christ love compelled me. But guess what? We're compelled by lots of things. And I know there's a lot of people here today that are serving in junior high, serving in middle school. That's the same thing. Serving in high school. Um, I love JHM or, or wildlife. Yeah. So, um, but we're motivated to, to be in ministry by a lot of things. And sometimes those things are not the best things. And sometimes those things are the worst things. And there's three things that compel us that are, we really need to, to start avoiding. The first thing, the first motivation we should avoid is being motivated by guilt. The church is good at motivating people through guilt. It's like one of those puppy commercials, like to adopt a puppy and you see the puppy and you're like, oh, you're gonna let me die here in this cage? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's like, that's, that's 
is motivation of guilt. Like, but people are motivated to serve because they feel bad for the ministry or bad for the puppies or, you know, or, or bad, you know, like they, they see a hole and they're like, no one else is going to do it. So I'm going to do it, you know? And then they end up, you know, you know, not serving here very long, but we're motivated by guilt sometimes. Another, the second motivation that we should definitely avoid is being motivated by our insecure relationship with God. So you feel like Jesus' death on the cross isn't enough. We don't say that, of course, because that's a no-no. But, but we live like that because we feel like, oh, I got to do something to prove to God that I'm worth something. And we serve and we slave and we don't get recognized. And, and suddenly we stop doing, we stop serving. The third motivation, which is something I struggle with, is we serve in order to get praise, to get recognized by people. We want to become like these <clears throat> super Christians, you know, like you see those super Christians, like with the big, you know, C on their chest, you know, <laughs> like we want to be like, we want to, we want people to look at you and be like, oh man, you're so holy, you know, ho- holy cow, you're awesome, right? Like, we want that, or maybe it's just me, but, um, but God's working on me. And, you know, this is a good place to go when you're not perfect. Um, so those are three motivations to avoid because guess what? If any of those motivations are your motivations, it will end up in burnout. Or even worse, crashing and burning out. Crashing and burning out is so bad because you take a wake of destruction of people with you. And Paul's saying, no, guess, how, guess who motivates me? It's Christ's love that motivates me. So whether or not anybody recognizes me, I know that I'm loved by God and no one's going to make me feel guilty for serving today because I'm motivated by the love of Christ. I can't help but to serve you and to love you and to make you feel like you're the most important person in my life because God sees you that way. Christ's love that compels us. Oh, another thing is really interesting. Man, when it comes to motivation in serving, it's kind of like a surfer, right? You know, a surfer, not a server. A surfer, <laughs> like, you never see a burnt out surfer, do you? Like, they're never complaining, like, oh, the waves are six foot overhead. Man, this sucks. Like, the waves, they just keep coming. There's nobody at the beach. Oh, man. Like, like you just never see a burnt out surfer, right? The only time you see a grumpy surfer is when they can't surf. Isn't that true? And that's the same thing for us. We're called to love one another and see each other the way God does. And it's Christ's love, his magnificent love that compels us to serve and love one another. It's a brand new motivation that we have to complement our brand new eyes. And lastly, not last, but I got two more points, but I messed up on my slides this week, so we'll figure it out. <laughs> He's also given you a new life, a new life, a new life. Moving on to verse 15, <clears throat> it says, And he died for all, that those who should live <laughs> should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. If Jesus died for us, it's only fitting that we should live for him. If Jesus died for us, it's only fitting that we should live for him. 
It's kind of like the worst Star Wars movie that was ever made. Uh, episode one. Um, um, there's a character that was introduced, Jar Jar Binks, you guys know, and wish you didn't know him. Um, like, the premise, the premise of his character, right, so what happened? So what happened? Liam Neeson's, right, was like f- fighting, right? He was fighting some dudes or whatever, right? I wasn't paying that close attention. And then this little, like, squirrely character got in the way, and instead of, like, killing the squirrely character, which maybe I would have rewrote that, um, instead of killing the squirrely character, he protects the squirrely character and saves his life. The premise of this character for the rest of the three movies that we had to suffer through <clears throat> was to pay back, you know, Liam and to fight along the, with the rebellion and to become a Jedi. And so his whole life was dedicated to making the most of his life towards, you know, like being on the good side, right? So anyways, um, if you don't get that character, it's okay. But basically the idea is that somebody saved his life and he spent the rest of his life living for the Jedis or whatever. Yeah, Jedis. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there. That's the best illustration I can come up with for that one. So, all right, cool. But here's the, here's the reality. Jesus died for us. It's only fitting that we should live for him. And the reality is, is that we live for a lot of things other than Jesus, don't we? We do. And, 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 we, and they're not bad things. It's not like you guys are like, oh, I'm living for crack. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> like, that's not happening with this group. I don't think so. If it is, it's okay. We love you. Just fill out a connection card. Like, we, have a prayer, we have a prayer ministry afterwards. It's really it's good. We'll pray for you. But, but a lot of times we're living for good things. We're living for good things. Sometimes we're living for our education. Some students out there know what I'm talking about. You see those people, those overachievers, or just trying to achieve, right? We are living for education. Some people, we're like, we're just like, I want to be a good, you know, daughter, you know, or, or son to my parents. And we live for our parents because life has all been about pleasing mom and dad, right? So we live for our parents. Or some of us, we're living for our jobs, right? And every ounce of our energy is consumed with answering emails, answering phone calls, you going to our jobs and thinking about how we can do it better. Some of us are living for ministry. Man, that's a trap. That's a real trap. And then if you're married or thinking about getting married, we, we kind of confuse God with our spouses and we start living for our spouses. But we don't need to live for our spouses. Live for Jesus. That's what it's saying. Don't live for education, live for Jesus. Don't live for our parents, live for Jesus. Don't live for our jobs, live for Jesus. Is it even worse? Don't live for yourself, live for Jesus. Because when you live for Jesus, you'll be a better student. You'll be a better, I don't know, son or daughter, boyfriend, girlfriend, worker. You'll be a better you. Live for Jesus. If he died for us, it's only fitting that we live for him. He saved us so that we can live for him. Man, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, nope, did I skip a verse at 15? 
Just oh yeah, sixteen. Can someone show? Do we have sixteen up there on the screen? Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> you thought you were getting away early today. No. <laughs> so from now on. So from now on, we we regard no one according to this worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, <laughs> we do so no longer. We do so no longer. See, it says. Uh, so from now on, we regard no one from this worldly point of view. We got that, Paul. You said it earlier today. Though we once regarded Christ in this way. Whoa, 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 whoa. How, wait, we, like as in you, regarded Christ according to the flesh? Wait a minute, Paul. I didn't know you hung out with Jesus. Like seriously, when you think of Paul's interaction with Jesus, you don't think they actually lived at the same time. But Paul did. Paul did. He was a Pharisee who persecuted the church. His name used to be Saul. And in fact, I would imagine if when Jesus was, you know, preaching sermons, preaching beatitudes, you know, making sure people ate because there there wasn't enough food, and the Pharisees came along to contradict Jesus and fight with him, not physically, um, Paul was there. Or Paul commissioned people because he was a high-ranking Pharisee. And he, and he regarded Christ in the flesh, but it wasn't always positive. And he's saying here, we once regarded Christ in this way, but we do so no longer. Therefore, we regard Christ in, in the spirit in a new way. And this interesting thing, the interesting thing about this is that he once regarded Christ in the flesh. Now he, now he encounters Christ in the spirit. And I remember when I was younger, I don't know if you ever did this, but I prayed that Jesus would physically manifest in some way just to fix something, right? Like I, maybe you were younger and you would just think, man, if Jesus would just show up physically, this would fix everything. Like people just like, just, I don't know, Jesus show, shows up and is like, hey, come with me. And I'd be like, yep, right? <laughs> that would be easy, right? And, and I would think like it's I would think it's better that Jesus would be in the flesh rather than to regard him in the spirit. But Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That it is way better to regard Jesus in the spirit than in the flesh. Because the Bible does say, I didn't put this verse up there, that Jesus had to go up so that he can send his Holy Spirit so that all of us can play ball, not just the 12 disciples. Therefore, Jesus in the spirit is far better than Jesus in the flesh. And that's why it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you have been upgraded. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The new has come and the old is gone. And the new is here. Therefore, we can have this new life without dragging our old life behind us. We can have this new life without dragging our old life behind us. The funny thing is I had a conversation last week with someone about, about this concept of having a new life and seeing ourselves, seeing people, and seeing God um, with, these, with these new eyes that Christ gave us. Because a lot of times we see our sin before we see anything else. We see our failures before any, anything else. If you're new, new to here, maybe you had to reconcile in your head like, oh my gosh, like I am such a bad person. You know, I'm afraid to step inside of a church because I might catch on fire. Like, like... <laughs> Like, like it, you may have mustered up all the courage it takes to come in here today. And let me tell you, like, 
Christ wants to make you a new creation. And if you are a new creation, you have a new life. You have a new heart and you have new eyes. See, we, we, see, we see ourselves kind of like in time and space, right? Time and space means like we think in, an, in a timeline, right? And so we see like life from the beginning to end and we see our sin and we see our successes as this big roller coaster, right? You, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get both sides of you guys here, right? We see, man, I went to camp. It was awesome. It was great. You know, found me some Jesus, read my Bible. I got this new Bible plan. I'm going to read that. And then I didn't read it. And then uh, I, I went to this party, ended up hooking up with this dude. And, and now this sucks. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, you know what? I'm going to join a life group and then get some accountability. And like, oh, no, you know, got some Jesus and stuff, right? Oh, my God. And then, and then things happen. Like, oh, man, dude, I looked at some porn. And this is not the best thing ever. But I feel bad about myself. I can't show up to church because I'm working so much. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go back to church. I'm going to join my life group. Oh, everything's amazing. This is awesome. I'm going to serve on the cafe with Hojin, right? And, then, oh, right? and our life is like this, up and down, up and down. And we see this, and, and it's true. We see, it like, we see our life like this. And then we think, like, you know, I'm going to come back to God, but I'm like, oh, man, I, feel, I, I have this past behind me, and it's, it's disgusting, it's dirty. I don't know how I'm going to go to God because all I see is my sin. But we think... We think we see life this way, but God sees life in the eternal present. Somebody say eternal present. So it's like this, but like this, like a stack of pancakes. When you're looking down, stack of pancakes with some maple syrup and maybe some bacon. Um, sorry, I got, I got distracted. Um, so, right, right, it's like that, right? He sees, he, he sees all of it. Right? He sees the good, he sees the bad, and he says, hey, guess what? I still want to die for you. I still love you. I still love you unconditionally. That even while you were still sinning, I created a plan so that you can be right with me. That's a big deal. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. Quit dragging that stuff behind you. It's time to move forward with these new eyes, with this new heart, with this new life. I'm going to invite the band up. And I want you to know a couple things that you've been upgraded severely. You have brand new vision I know, I know there might be some things that are distorting, you know, distorting what you see of the people around you or even yourself. Just take out whatever's blocking your view. Take out whatever is causing you to see the distorted life. You have new motiv- motivations. You can decide right now what is going to motivate you. Maybe you've been motivated by all those bad things but it doesn't have to continue. You can choose to be compelled by Christ today. What I want you to do is that if you've never started following Jesus, I want you to put your trust in Jesus. Start following him today. Let him be the leader of your life. And if you don't know what that means, you can just go to the prayer corner. We have a prayer ministry right there. We got some people praying for you right by those lamps. And just say, I want to put my trust in Jesus. For the rest of us, you can let go of the old way of viewing people right now. And you can let 
Let Christ's love shape the way you see yourself. Let Christ's love shape the way you do things. And today we can stop letting our past failures determine, dictate how we move forward. Again, imagine what it would look like if Soma was that ministry filled with people who looked at one another the way God does, who was motivated by Christ's love, didn't worry about getting attention, didn't worry about getting accolades, just didn't worry about any of that other stuff that the world worries about, but just was compelled by the love of Christ. What would that look like in your own homes? What would that look like in some of your relationships? Today's a day where you can decide to make that happen. Today's a day where you can decide to let Jesus change that and compel you. Would you guys stand up and let me pray for you? God, I love you. Thank you for this group. Thank you for your word. Thank you that Paul wrote them down by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit so that we can learn how you've upgraded our lives. I pray today that we would walk in that upgrade and that we would live in thankfulness as a result. In Jesus' name we all said, amen.